Obesity, a disease that kills over 30,000 in the UK per annum, that costs the NHS an estimated £6.1 billion and wider society an estimated £27 billion. What's more, obesity affects almost 29% of adults in the UK. Coupled with 61% of Britons being overweight, that leaves a measly 19% within healthy ranges. We are moving less and eating more, all buying into a culture of hyper-consumption. But whose responsibility is this? Is this on the government, parents or individuals? Well, the government are taking a crack at the problem, banning adverts for fast food before the watershed, ending deals of buy one, get one free on unhealthy options and calories being far more present on our menus. Is this an adequate cure? I am your host, Alexander Dennis, and welcome to POI Podcasts. So this week, I am joined by Max Anderson of the Liberal team, Dina Polka of the Conservatives, and Abby Clargo of Labour. Dina, my first question is to you. Whose fault is obesity? Okay, so in my personal opinion, I would say that it is the general public. Naturally, we would have people who are, for example, in... Um, poverty who would need some more assistance but for the most part i believe this is all up to the public so essentially it's individual responsibility mm-hmm. okay and what do you feel is the is the government's role in this do you do you agree with the scheme that they've recently brought up i think that government is right to raise this issue in general um but at the same time i don't think that they're doing it the right way i don't think that putting so much pressure on the on banning certain things, such as adverts, um, is the right thing to go. I think this should, this should involve encouraging people, not penalizing people who are healthy. Okay, I see. Abby, let's come to you next. Whose fault is obesity in your eyes? Well, I certainly think there's uh, quite a big degree of individual responsibility that comes into it. You know, you can't blame someone else for the food you put in your mouth or anything like that. But you also have to think about certain health conditions and circumstances out of individuals' control. So uh, affordable food shops not being near, near um, close by to where one lives and stuff like that. I think it, it's, a lot, it's a lot more complex than I think the government are making out. So there's definitely a socioeconomic level to this debate that poor people are more likely to be obese. I think that's backed up by the, the literature. I, I definitely think so as well. Yeah, definitely. That definitely comes into it. Sure. And Max, what are your, what are your thoughts on the general issue? Well, I'm actually going to go against both uh, Michael, my other two colleagues today, because quite frankly, you know, you, you look, this is a rising issue that's happened in the last, let's say, 30 to 40 years. Okay, now what's the change of that? That's because, you know, eating fast food, getting, um, you know, unhealthy food, whether sweets, chocolate, Mackeys, whatever you want to call it, is so accessible these days. Uh, and, you know, at some point you've got to, put some sort of restrictions on that and yeah i know I, i'm not going to say that it's not down to people's ability people have to watch it themselves but you know it, we need to be educated about that rightly to understand um about, about the issues we need to we need to get, be better educated on that but at the same time we also need to put the right restrictions on it to protect people it's like it's the same with cigarettes you know we're, we're not going to be allowing cigarettes we want to try and restrict cigarettes because they're unhealthy for us we want to be putting it uh, we have massive ad campaigns to, you know, on the front of cigarette boxes to show that, you know, what happens if you smoke. You know, you can't advertise smoking anymore. It's the same thing. We need to 
realize that the world is changing, that our, our ability to get junk food and healthy food is far too easy and actually almost beneficial for us uh, economically. And we need, to make, we need to change that. And our government have made their first steps, although really kind of pathetic steps. Uh, but at least we're trying to at least talk about the issues. Max, let's, let's carry on with you. You touched on a really important topic, which is education. Where would this education start? Would you start at school? Would it be more of an onus on the parents? Where do you see this concept of education coming in? I think it's a bit of both. I, I think it's, you know, at, at the end of the day, you've got to realise that sometimes people aren't, parents won't be good enough or even just the people around you won't be good enough to recognise these problems. And maybe they'll, you know, I, I think back to when you had... Um, uh, Jamie Oliver, you know, bringing healthier uh, school meal programs into schools. And, you know, you have parents trying to hand their children McDonald's and stuff like that. So, you know, we can't necessarily rely on the parents because, you know, frankly, sometimes they'll think eating bad food is better or they don't want to change. So it's really important that we start with the education sector inside schools. We provide, provide healthy, free meals, I think. I personally believe that, that, you know, which Marcus Rashford has been a big advocate for, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, and really try and educate people uh, from a young age that healthy food is not only nice, it's tasty, um, but also we should try and make it affordable. So it's also down to the government to try and prioritise that. Absolutely. Abby, I just want to bring this back to you. As Max says, we need to make healthy food affordable. Um, what would be the first steps in order to make that happen? Would you subsidise farmers' markets? What would be important in terms of changing the food environment so that healthy options are available and are cost-efficient? Yeah, so I think, I mean, in the new government scheme, they're trying to remove the like, bog-off deals and deals similar to that on unhealthy food. And I think that's just the opposite of what they want to be doing because that's removing the choice of people who you know, can't afford to pay for full price things and leaving the choice for the more wealthy and people who can afford that which is just what we've seen too much over the last 10 years of Tory government um and I think they need to focus on the healthy foods and if there could be similar deals on that um and just a more readily available healthy options in supermarkets um and yet just having more I know it's a lot harder to than, than just popping up supermarkets in every neighborhood but just having more affordable supermarkets nearby um, so everyone has the option to buy these healthier foods and they don't just opt for the unhealthy things because it's easier or it's cheaper to buy um, and yeah education I think comes into it massively which is why I think the government's press release release was really interesting because they said that they actively chose not to focus on childhood obesity and they wanted to empower adults and I think you know, the proposal does the absolute opposite of that. So do you think it was a problematic step not to look at the root cause of the problem? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, while empowering adults is a good intention, I think a lot of the time these adults aren't going to change their ways. And if it's something we want to improve in the future as well as now, you need to start at the root cause, which is childhood obesity and education at a younger age. And Dina, let's, let's bring this back to you. Let's carry on on the theme of government policy. They've also brought out Eat Out to Help Out, a, a scheme that's obviously incentivizing going out to eat. Is this not a conflict of interest? You're trying to promote you know, healthy eating, but then you're also promoting going out. Do you think this is a, this is a problem? This is bad from the government, Dina? I do think that this is problematic, yes. Um, because, again, 
Rishi Sunak um, is out there trying to prom- uh, to convince us to go outside and eat, whilst uh, Boris is doing something completely different. So I think there's definitely a problem there, um, because obviously obesity needs tackling as soon as possible. At the same time, we need to revive our economy. I think we should be looking at implementing um, reviving economy, but in a healthier way, um, and maybe promoting restaurants that do actually serve healthy food. Um, because when you look at the scheme, um, Eat Out to Help Out, most of the restaurants do not serve healthy food, such as, for example, Franklin Benny's or Nando's. Um, no one goes there to eat vegetables, you know? So I don't think that this is very smart. I see. So when you say revamp the economy in a healthy way, would you look at different sectors, so perhaps the high street, more shopping rather than the consumption of food? Um, potentially, yeah. Uh, but I do also think that there are uh, small businesses um, and small restaurants that do focus on, you know, even vegan or vegetarian food, uh, where they do ensure that the food's healthier. So m- maybe focusing more on those sectors, not on the restaurants that have already potentially had the government bailout and are already doing very well. Okay. I, I, I quite like to kind of come in here and I, I kind of I share a bit of Dina's sentiment, but I also kind of disagree with it. Because I, I think the major problem here is that we're giving subsidies to, you know, like McDonald's to, you know, give a free, um, you know, McDonald's boxes, you know, of massive chicken nuggets are coming down to two pounds. And, you know, Look, if I go out and I eat a burger from a local restaurant, a local pub, for example, that food, that the food that they've got, you know, the meat that's going to be there is ten times better than the processed, terrible food mm. that like McDonald's does. It doesn't necessarily even matter that you want to go and eat out. I, I'm not, you know, and it should be a treat, and you know, I think we should be encouraging that. And you can certainly go out, you know, you can go out and eat really nice food. Uh, which, you know, is healthy, even if it is a burger, because it could come with salads, whatever you want, and it's nicely made. The problem is here is that we're saying, especially we've advertised, you look at how social media has gone reacted to helping out McDonald's. Are we really wanting to subsidise food for McDonald's? <laughs> that, yeah, quite frankly, you know, I, I know they're thinking about closing restaurants and stuff like that, but let's be honest, they are a multi-billion uh, dollar or pound, whatever, you know, you want to use company they really don't need the help but also to add to this as well we've got a major problem with vegetarian or or veganism at the moment you know it is really healthy to have you know just a salad for lunch it would be fantastic if we get more people doing that but again the prices of getting a salad even if you go to like pretamange or you know you go to your local supermarket the price to eat healthy is so expensive like ridiculously not only time consuming but expensive if you're you're sitting there you think you've been working full day and you sit there and you go to go and get some lunch and you see chicken goujons, which are processed, not very nice food, which is going to be a pound or two. Or you're seeing, you know, lettuce, tomatoes, cucumber, all that stuff, which just that alone, because most of them come in quite large bulks anyway, is going to go up to at least five, ten, maybe even 15 pounds if you want to get a really nice one. You know, what, what are you going to choose? You're obviously going to choose the chicken goujons or you just go to McDonald's. And that this is the major real problem is that we're not offering support or encouragement at all for people to eat healthy and even just take away uh, uh, the government's campaign is just so pathetic in terms of like Rishi Sunak's deal to go eat out um you know to help out is fantastic that's actually doing something but this obesity campaign they got is just chucking it to the communications department and saying look here's something to do go have fun (laughs) that that's it that's literally all it is which is quite frankly pathetic Hmm. 
I will partly agree with you on that. However, um, the government has got some good intentions. For example, the part of the scheme where they do offer uh, vouchers to repair your bike, I think that's definitely a step in the right direction. So even though I do agree with you that parts of the scheme are absolutely horrendous, um, they're also trying to do something well. But at the same time, you know, it's it's all good, you know, it's all good to have good intentions, but really are those good intentions going to particularly help? I mean, even just helping to fix your bike, how many people, ne- how many people are first of all necessarily going to have bikes? How many people, you know, if you're living in the middle of a city or, you know, how, how useful is it necessarily going to be to have that option for you? I mean, it's, it's going to be affecting very small minority to encourage people to not only go out on bikes, but also to even want to, there's, there's such little encouragement there. It's like, Oh, well, we will fix your bike a bit, you know, well, great. It's still not, you know, most young people won't even necessarily have bikes, and you know, it, it's it's such a half-hearted effort at fix. It's it's a short-term feel-good policy that makes the government feel good about itself rather than actually combating anything. Okay, Abby, I would like to bring you in and just move on the, the debate ever so slightly. Perhaps we're looking at this the wrong way. Genetics dictate that bodies come in different shapes and different sizes. Is body body positive? body positivity, pardon me, um, a helpful and important thing to be thinking about after years, if you pardon the pun, like Ted Holiday, important in terms of entering the public discourse? Should we be more accepting rather than just, you know, bikini-ready body? Yeah, definitely. I think your body positivity is really kind of stepped up over the last few years, and I think social media has been really good for that in a way, even though, you know, maybe it was the cause of body negativity, if you like, in the first place. Um, yeah, so I don't think it's good to say, right, you're a little bit overweight, you need to eat healthy, you know, you can't kind of tar everyone with the same brush, that isn't fair. And I think, you know, it's, uh, maybe educate people to eat healthy, whether they're slim, whether they're overweight, whether they're morbidly obese, because it isn't all about physical weight, it's about how healthy you are on the inside, how physically fit you are, you know, and with the, like, calorie labelling, just because something's a little bit more calorific doesn't mean it's necessarily really bad for you that something that has a few hundred less calories. Um, yeah, sorry. No, I just think it's a lot more complex than the government have made out. And I think they haven't put a lot of thought into it. Either they haven't put thought into it or they've just been extremely ignorant. And I think Max's use of the word pathetic is you know, really true for this scheme. I, I, Alex, if it's okay, and I, I feel I'm talking a lot during this, but I want to like build on what Abby says. You know, let's think about it on the flip side. Let's pe- think about people with anorexia as well. You know, when they when they go to out now to eat, so they're going to see all the calories listed on every food that they eat. If you're someone with anorexia, or even just thinking about, you know, where bos- body positivity hasn't been, um, uh, you, ha- you, ha- you don't feel good about yourself. Reading these are going to be horrible to the people who have like are on the borderline of getting anorexia or already have anorexia it's just not helpful and i think abby's completely right to say you know you don't have to be beach body ready to be healthy you know you can just be um you know you 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 just can be healthy but not necessarily in perfect fit shape and i think she's completely right to note that body positivity is just as important there yeah, and um, sorry if I can just jump in. Uh, it's estimated that I think between one and a quarter and almost three and a half million people in the UK have an eating disorder at the moment. And oh. this, and you know, a lot of the triggers for people with eating disorders is seeing calories and calorie counting. 
just last year, there was a massive call for calorie counting apps to be cancelled, I guess, um, because they exasperate uh, eating disorders and it's really dangerous. And I think, again, this is where the government hasn't thought about it. So I asked my mum, who's a healthy white, what she thought about this calorie labelling. She said, oh, yeah, it might be a good thing because she can pick a less calorific option if she's trying to be a bit healthier. And then she thought about people with eating disorders and really changed her mindset because if you're actively trying to pick less calories because of this battle you have in your brain, you know, it's going to be incredibly damaging for you. And I think it's, it only takes a quick Google search for the government to realise that. And I think this, having this in this scheme is really just absurd, to be honest. Sorry, Adina, do you have any thoughts on, on the body positivity calorie counting issue? Oh, yes, I do. Um, so for starters, I 100% agree with you guys on the uh, calorie count. Um, I don't think this is doing um, any good for people with um, with eating disorders. This is definitely going to cause a lot of issues. And I do agree with that. Um, however, regarding the bo- body positivity movement, I do think that stigma sometimes does have some uses. It could help uh, people motivate them to lose weight quite often. Even right now, for example, I gained some weight over the lockdown. I want people to tell me that. So I'll actually, you know, get on that. Um, oh, I, sorry, Dina. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to come in here. You know, it's, it's such a bad stereotype that thinking that telling people who are overweight that they're overweight will help them actually overcome this. It is such a, and it really is a pain. You speak to people who are overweight, you know, who might go to Overeaters Anonymous and stuff like that. One of the things they absolutely hate being told is that they're overweight. Because they know they're overweight. They know that. It just, you know, being told it again doesn't help. You know, it actually just puts them back quite a few steps. Because they're going to, you know, all they're going to do, because why do they eat? What is the most likely reason why they're eating? It's probably because they feel quite bad about themselves. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a slope that they get addicted to or they get caught on. Or, you know, you might, you might you'll order yourself a Domino's or Five Guys if you're feeling terrible that day. And if you go around telling people that, you know, they are overweight, they're just going to go back and go and do it again. You cannot have people telling people constantly Mm. that they're overweight. It doesn't help. See, let me rephrase that. Um, I don't necessarily mean um, people should be just offending people who are a bit overweight. That's not not what I'm saying at all. It's just um, I think that the body positivity movement in itself is doing people the service because there's a difference between, you know, being mean to people who are overweight and promoting and glorifying the movement, you know, because... I, I believe that people should know that there are, again, heart disease and there are so many other um, things that you can you can do to um, you can cause so many issues to your body if you um, if you are overweight. So people do need to remember that. But, but on the flip, well, Abby, Abby, you go. Sorry, I've been talking so say, much. Actually. I think you know, weight is such a sensitive topic and a lot of the time it's all about mental health and seeing someone who may be a little bit more overweight than you know an average person you see in the street on social media then posting themselves is a way of saying yeah I'm okay with my body and even though they might know that they're a little bit overweight and could do with you know eating a little bit healthier whether they want to do that or not it's fine it's up to them posting it could do wonders for their mental health and it could make them feel a little bit better when they're having a down day and it could you know, as Max said, it could stop them ordering that Domino's. And I think for someone else who's a similar weight to see them on social media would do wonders for them as well. It's not 
necessarily glorifying it but it's saying okay I can feel comfortable in my body today I don't have to feel awful about myself and then the next day you could think okay I will eat a bit healthier but it's just about feeling good in your body and I think that's what the body positivity movement should be it's not about losing weight I don't think that comes into it as much it's just about feeling comfortable in yourself and it's a mental battle that I think people really need to think about a bit more and um, I, I quite like to build on sorry Alex I know I'm talking about I like to build on from what Abby says you know speaking for all props in in the rugby world you know it you know just sometimes the way that you are built the way that you play you know you're encouraged sometimes you know especially when you're playing rugby if you're a big front row prop you are encouraged to be slightly bigger and you know so when you're getting to that you, when you've got people actually encouraging you to eat as well when you get to someone like my age who is quite frankly I am slightly overweight and being stuck in lockdown hasn't helped you know I've done an awful lot of fitness actually quite quite over this summer but I haven't lost much weight and I, no one would say I am at the peak of health if you looked at me but you know it doesn't mean that I can't go on a 5k run you know I I'm not not necessarily out completely out of shape but the one thing that is horrible is that you know because I'm so you know broad I don't fit into many shirts because just because of my rugby build s you know being being told that I'm unhealthy although most props are pretty healthier than all of us if you look at someone like a, a Will Stewart who plays rugby for Bath, he's 135 kilos. Oh, I think he's more than 135 kilos. He's a big boy, but, you know, he's not going to fit into many shirts. And, well, I wouldn't call, you know, from that sort of analogy, you would call him unhealthy. Oh, my God, he's one of the fittest guys I've ever seen in my life. You know, it's just, it's understanding that body does come in so many different sizes and just needing to kind of push you know be positive that even if you are slightly bigger because you're naturally just a bigger guy in terms of size or you know you, you can be positive and happy about that and you know build up in the way that you want to because you know if you look at the rock he has fifteen thousand calories a day minimum you know he's eating a lot but he does a lot of workout and you know he's not exactly you know he's a completely different type of build in terms of size and whatever build whatever shape whatever character you want to be there is you still have to be positive about it to some sort of extent. And only through that positivity and only through that help will you be able to get guys who maybe don't feel confident. And they, they, they're down because they know that they're not, they, they're not the weight or the health that they want to be. But it's only through encouragement and actually making them realise that actually it's okay if you, you know, you're not there yet or you're not there right now that gives them that right sort of uh, that frame of mind to move forward and to change. You can't build from strong foundations. You can't build from a foundation of you're fat, unhealthy. You've got to feel it's good how you are, but we can get better. You can do it if you want to. That's the attitude that has to be. It can't be forced. It's got to be they want to take those steps because they feel good about themselves. So Abby and Max, you both um, talked about the body positivity movement from the perspective of an overweight individual. And I would argue, just as devil, devil's advocate, there's a difference between obesity and being overweight. One of the problems that people who aren't pro-body positivity say is that it glorifies those that are obese. I don't think anybody has a problem with people who aren't, you know, straight off the cover of men's health. I don't think anybody has a problem with people who are very overweight and are in the gym. But I think the issue that people have is with those that are obese and doing nothing about it. Do you think that's a fair criticism to have, Abby, and then Matt? I think it's hard to judge because, you know, you could easily see someone obese and think, oh, they're doing nothing. But you don't know what's going on behind closed doors and you don't know what their personal circumstances are or any underlying health issues they might have. And people often say that it's obese people who aren't, they can't go out to work or they're just not trying to do anything about it and I mean if you look at Katie Hopkins when she put on so many stones just to prove that she could lose it 
that's fine because she had the mindset that she was going to do it because she knew she could and there was no health issue there as far as we're aware and it's just that's such a position of privilege because you're a normal obese person who might live you know in quite a busy town they can't go out and exercise freely anywhere without the fear of being judged it's a mental health thing and it's a physical health thing and you don't know what's going on behind closed doors and I think it's so wrong to judge someone because you know if maybe if there was more education out there they would have the opportunity to do something else but at the moment you they might feel trapped and everyone having a problem with it that's not going to do anything and just saying you're obese you need to lose it like Max said earlier that's also not going to help is having the resources out there that they can access when they feel ready to and when they need to uh, and you know I, know I knew you're about to come to me Alex so I'll, I'll just lead on quite nicely first of all I think when we talk about Katie Hopkins does she have any issues I think she has quite a few issues um but anyway move, you know you, you look at me I'm 110 kilos I'm quite big for a guy my height you know and if I put into every single app in terms of when I try and do fitness or try and get better, every single one of them tells me I'm obese. Now, if I go to a, you know, if I, when I'm doing rugby training, when I go to like doctors and talk about it, because I feel terrible about my weight, no, none of them will say I'm obese because actually it's more muscle than fat. It's just that none of these um, apps can calculate that. None of them can work it out. And this is the thing we've got to realize is obesity, again, is very, you know, if you could have a, a Star Trek athlete, who could be then, you know, stops for a couple of, um, who like retires and comes a couple of years off, can put on a bit of weight. By analysis, by analysis then, they're obese. Although they're still pretty goddamn healthy, and if they wanted to, they could get back to their top shape like that and haven't actually put on that much weight. But just because of where they've come from, they've become obese. And it can also cause diabetes and stuff like that just on that change. So, you know, you can be overweight and not be obese and still be very healthy. Again, it's such a personal thing to to have it really can change okay Adina let's just bring this back to yourself in the UK this is what we're operating from we have a social healthcare system the NHS has been fantastic over the previous months but what that means is everybody pays earning for the NHS does that mean that then it is a societal burden if you inflict health ramifications upon yourself, whether that be smoking, whether that be drinking too much, or whether that be eating too much, do you think there should be a culture that we should look after ourselves because it's everybody else that is paying for our medical treatment? So uh, the whole issue of the link between obesity and the strain that that puts on NHS is absolutely massive, and it is a problem. Um, I think that... That's probably a controversial thing to say, but I do actually think that if people have certain um, obesity-related issues um, that were clearly inflicted, that they've inflicted upon themselves, even smoking, like I'm a smoker myself. So, for example, let's take that issue in consideration. So if I'm a smoker and then I develop a lung cancer, I believe that I should be paying extra for my treatment. And I think this should apply for other issues like this as well. Um, and I think this would, to some extent, motivate people to also, um, you know, try to look after themselves a bit more. Just to carry up on that, what about those that are in the lower brackets of income? What about if they physically could, wouldn't be able to afford uh, the extra penalisation? I do think that they should uh, have some support, but this should also, I would take this back to uh, what we started on today, education. Um, 
childhood obesity, but also adult obesity. So I'm trying to ensure that people don't make those mistakes in the first place. This is a very multifaceted issue. So this would have to be tackled from from all sides. Sorry, can I just jump in? I think that's a really dangerous kind of mindset to have. It's almost going towards a fat tax, if you like, um, taxing people more who are a little bit obese. Because again, I keep saying, you don't know their personal circumstances. And you're saying it's self-inflicted, but if someone broke an arm while mountain biking and they had to you know, get that fixed and have those vectories on the NHS, that's a self-inflicted injury. And I think, and that's just doing something fun that they like. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, someone who might have underlying health conditions, who eats a little bit more and has got to this almost obese level, that could be considered a disease in itself. You know, it's an addiction. It's an addiction to food, like smoking, um, like drugs. You can get treatment for those in the NHS. You should be able to get treatment for this as well. Can I, can I ask another question to Dina? Because mm-hmm. I think I want to look at this in another question. If you got lung cancer from smoking, and because in your view, then the NHS shouldn't help, who pays for it? Me. Who pays for your treatment? You I pay would. for it. Yeah. Okay, so what happens if this treatment just keeps on? Because ultimately, the, to be um, treated for cancer is going into millions of pounds. I mean, literally millions and millions of pounds. So first of all, let's say you got lung cancer because it, it can start at any age. Let's say you got lung cancer tomorrow. Would you be able to, you know, help pay for your, to be cured effectively? Or at least have treatment. So the way I would, uh, I would have it tackled is you would have something more insurance-based. So naturally, if there are certain factors such as smoking or um, obesity, you would just you wouldn't you wouldn't just pay you know millions of pounds instantly. Um, you would just cover uh, your NHS tax a bit more, you know. But first, thing... You know... With that idea, I've got two points. First of all, all insurance firms would be practically dead because they would be. You know, you're, you're, you're taking out insurance against the government. Um, but also, I'd, I'd ask another point, like, you know, insurance, just as insurance firms do and, you know, you know, governmental insurance policies around the world try to do, they try and get out of making payments. And if you're a smoker and you're suffering from lung cancer, that's going to be a great point for them to try and get out of making payments. They, then you could be taken to court. And then at that point, all they have to do is horribly, and I hope you never get lung cancer, do that, I must say. But, you know, at, at that point, it just becomes, we'll wait for you to effectively die while you're in court. And then you're stuck with a load of payments. And then your family and your, your children, your children's children are stuck under a huge amount of medical debt. I mean, I mean, surely that's not right. I mean, one person's mistake in a family to smoke, if you want to call it a mistake shouldn't cause the punishment of their whole entire family in that case. Uh, fair enough, but you do have to take into consideration that these things happen, for example, in the US. Um, so, you know, we are in a very privileged position to actually do have NHS. So, you know, to take it from a, uh, to a different point, shouldn't we be appreciating NHS more and look after our health to prevent these things? Oh, then we come back to this question that we should be trying to help ourselves and, you know, try and fight obesity. Because I don't think any of us are saying that. We just talk about the best way to fight it. But I think we can both agree the best way to fight it then, therefore, is not to just take the NHS away from people who do that. Therefore. Okay, I just want to interject. 
Sorry, Dana. I just want to interject. I think we're going a step a little bit. Um, one last uh, point um, before we wrap this week's podcast. I think we have pretty unanimous agreement that the government seeing a couple of agency isn't good enough. So my question to all of you is, what would work? If the government scheme is not going to work, what would work? Um, Abby, let's go with you, then Max, then Dina for the final, final roundup. I think you could deal with it quite well just through education. Um, you know, just educating people at a young age and focusing on childhood obesity. I think that's a real big point that the government missed with this scheme. And I think, you know, you'd be having a lot different reaction if you if they did decide to try and tackle uh, childhood obesity I think you know it's very difficult it's a very complex issue it's not just as easy as saying right we'll show a powerpoint presentation in a school and children are going to have this whole different mindset but it's about teaching about nutrition and the value of food and that you you know it's okay to go out for a meal a restaurant shouldn't be this place of shame but also, it's everything in moderation and everything in balance and you know, not having this negative stigma against overweight or obese people, I think, will massively help because, again, saying someone's overweight, that's not going to help them. It's education and putting the resources out there. And I think the government needs to do more to provide those. Um, I'm going to say make cooking compulsory at up to a GCSE level. I think it'd be great for mental health as well to, you know, get out and do cooking, have a break from school. I think that'd be fantastic. And it's a great way for them to education. Uh, but I think as well, implement a really high sugar tax, you know, on um, not necessarily putting it on, like, you know, as I said, uh, eating out, but certainly, you know, getting a diet coat should be more expensive than it is. It shouldn't be cheap or getting, you know, terrible, fast, uh, easy, like, chicken goujons that won't exactly be the healthiest thing in the world i think really pushing it on an economic side to push you towards wanting to get vegetables um and healthy food should be the number one priority Sorry, can i just make a really quick point i think a sugar tax like that is really dangerous because like i said earlier it's mm. removing a choice for the less fortunate people who might want a little treat now and again and it's leaving a choice for the people who can afford it and i think that's quite dangerous I, th I think, uh, Abby, I, I agree. And that's why I think it should also be backed up by um, subsidies to also make uh, healthy food a lot cheaper as, and more accessible. Because at the same time, you know, getting healthy food is really expensive. And especially like, if you want to go vegan, there's such a classism problem there in the fact that only wealthy people can actually be vegan or vegetarian in a lot of sense. Um, so I think as well, actually trying to provide some sort of subsidies to bring the rest of the food down to help people... Uh, as well, but I, I think I should, they need to be complemented. You know, you need sugar tax with the right subsidies to help bring down food. So I think it's a balancing act. Abby, you're one hundred percent right, but I think it's a balancing act. Yeah. Okay, and Dean, obviously, as the Conservative representative, how would you critique your government? Yeah, um, I generally agree with Abby the most because I do think that we need to implement things in education to ensure that people. Uh, are able to make those right choices, especially considering um, teaching people uh, cooking, as Max said, um, teaching how to do meal prep, how to make the right healthy choices. But one of the most important parts as well is the money management and, you know, the nut nutritional value of meals too. All of these things would definitely equip children to be able to make the good choices. Okay, well, thank you very much, everybody. But I think that's all we have time for this week on POI Podcasts. You've been joined by Max, Dina, Abby, and myself. 
We'll see you next week.